when we give our lives to Jesus. Just don't leave me for a second. Something extraordinary happens when we give our lives to Jesus. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and becomes a part of who we are. And the Holy Spirit always brings us closer to Jesus. That is the role of the Spirit, to point us to Jesus. And in fact, we bear the name of Jesus. We bear the name of Jesus. And sometimes in certain situations, we feel like we're so weak. We feel like we're so incapable of overcoming, feeling like so incapable of doing what we're doing. But in fact, inside of us lies the salvation power of Jesus Christ. Not our power, his power. So in every situation, you carry the name of Jesus. In every relationship that you have, you bring the name of Jesus. You bring the power of salvation into that marriage, into that relationship, into that relationship with your coworkers. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you are carrying the name of Jesus and the power that lies within. Wherever you go, whatever you say, whoever you meet. And just this alone gives us hope and strength to know that we can be victorious in these moments of our life, thinking that we're overmatched, thinking that we're overpowered. Church, we are not. I am pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, not abandoned. I'm struck down, but not destroyed. Because of the power of Christ within me. Because of the power of Christ in you. Because of the name of Jesus that we bear and the banner in which we march. We're not fighting for just an ordinary army, just an ordinary cause. We fight for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will win that fight. Amen? We will win that fight. Father, we stand here before you, Lord God, and we are just broken vessels. God, we are just, we are just nuts and bolts, God, Lord Jesus. But together, in your name, Lord God, we can do extraordinary things. We can overcome extraordinary circumstances because we bear the name of Jesus, because we bear the name of Christ. And so, God, we just stand firm, Lord God, in this resolve, in this understanding, Lord God, that we are your people, called by your name, empowered to go forth and not be afraid, and not be intimidated, to not feel overmatched, to not feel condemned, but to feel empowered, to feel capable, to feel strong because under the banner in which we fly, because of your name, Jesus, and what you have done for us. Father, encourage us this morning through your word. God, just as you have in worship, Lord Jesus, I just, just encourage us this morning through your word, God, to use the gifts that we have in order to carry your name with boldness and confidence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can have a seat.
Sometimes we feel like there are marks on us. Sometimes the mistakes that we make, we feel like we're marked for failure. But in reality, those failures don't inhibit us at all. It's just what the enemy convinces us of. And I know this seems like a really corny thing to do, but this morning I spilled like some greasy thing on my shirt. You see, can you ever see the stain on my shirt? It's right here. You didn't notice it before, but here it is. But you know what? I'm able to lead worship and be a pastor, even with the stain on my shirt. It's still possible. I know that seems like a silly thing, but church, you've got to realize that your failures and your weaknesses is about as just as significant as the stain on my shirt. That's all it is. There may be a mark there, but it doesn't stop us from doing God's work. It doesn't stop us from being powerful. It doesn't stop us from being used. The only thing it distracts is me. Because most of you didn't even notice. Who's the distracted one? I am. That's the enemy's plan. To distract us with the stains that we think are somehow holding us back from doing Christ's work. Nobody even cares. You will now. You'll be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you just did that. Now you can't stop looking at the stain. It's okay. It's okay. It's good to be in church with you. It's good to be together as a family. We get together because we want to worship God and we want to be together. That's why we do it. So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that um, we're here together. We want to keep, uh, we just, just got a prayer request. We want to keep Tamika's uh, in, in prayer, right? Her, she hurt her foot uh, playing soccer. And so we just, we just want to pray for her. She's, uh, she's quite an avid soccer, soccer player. and just want to keep her in our prayers and that, that, that God would bring healing to her foot. We just thank you. We've got, we got more prayer requests. Here we go. Jack tore his bicep along the bone. Out of work from 10 weeks to six months. God, we just pray for the foot of Tamika and for Jack's uh, arm, Lord God. God, we just pray absolute healing, Lord God, on them. Lord Jesus, we just pray and believe. We believe that you are our Lord, our healer. Lord God, we just pray that you would, God, as you, I believe, healed Boston last week. You will heal, Lord Jack's. Jack's arm and Tamika's foot in Jesus' name. And so, God, we just give you all the glory and the praise for what you're going to do, God. It's going to be a miraculous thing, Lord God, when, when, when we hear the reports of what you have done. So, God, we just pray for healing in Jesus' name. We pray that you would do that for us, Lord God, humbly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's uh, interesting that we pray for healing before I speak about the gift of healing. Interesting how that goes. There are certain things that if we want them, we have to go and get them. We have to ask for them. We can't just, they just don't, they just don't come to us. See, like if you want something, you have to ask for it. It's not just going to come to you. Sometimes I think we forget that in order to get something, we have to ask for something. And some of us are better at this than others. But in order to get what you want, you have to go and ask for it. Uh, when I was... Uh, when I was in Bible college, um, there was this girl at Bible college who just kind of caught my eye and spent a little time with her, and I thought, I'm going to go ask that girl out. 
And so I did. I went to her, and, and uh, she's not here. I think she left because she doesn't want to hear the story again. But um, So I, the thing is, is that I, I really, you know, I really liked her, and I was kind of nervous, but I felt like, you know what, if I want, you know, if I want to spend more time with her, then I've got to ask her out on a date, and I'm going to ask her out on a date, and, and that's just what's going to happen. So I just, uh, you know, I kind of went up to her, and I just said, uh, I said, so do you want to go out for dinner? And she's like, with you? <laughs> like, she's messing with me, right? She's got me where, you know, she knows she's got me, right? And, and it's just, it just hilarious. It's just an awesome story because she's just in my moment of, like, the pinnacle of the point of insecurity for me in asking out a girl. She messes with me. She's just like, so you want to you wanna go with me? And I'm like, Yes, I'd like to go out to dinner with you. Of course, that's what I'm asking, but you're making it hard. I get that. That's funny. I understand it's funny for you. It's not funny for me. It's fine. I, she, I didn't say that. I was thinking that, but I didn't say that because I wouldn't say that because I still wanted to go out with her, right? I didn't want to mess with that, so I just kind of played along, and so she said yes, and, and it, was a good, uh, it was a great first date. We went uh, mini-golfing. Uh, it was hard, though, because she didn't want to keep score, and that was really hard for me. I wanted to keep score. I think she just didn't want to lose, and so she's just like, oh, let's not keep score, and I'm like, great. If you're going to play sports, you have to keep score. I'm just saying, okay? There needs to be goalies. You have to keep score. Okay, I got to get that out. Okay, so but if you want something, you've got to ask for it. Because I remember asking Pastor Becky about, you know, asking about, you know, have you ever gone out with somebody or are there people that, you know, when you're at school and they're just like, you know what, there's a lot of guys who are interested, but none of them had, you know, none of them asked me. Well, I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, what's your problem? Like, if you want something, you ask. You got to go get it. Like, you've got to ask. It's not going to come to you. If there are certain things that you want, you've got to go and ask for them. They're not just going to fall into your lap. You've got to ask. Well, I don't want to put anybody out. Or I just, okay, but if you want it, you've got to ask for it. Whether you think you deserve it or not or whatever, if you want it, you have to ask for it. 1 Corinthians 14, we're going, to get into, we're going to get into the word here for a second. Before we get there, we've been talking about the gifts, right? We've been talking about what it means for God to give us gifts. We talked about it in Ephesians. We talked in, in Romans. And now we're in, we're in 1 Corinthians, and we're talking about the gifts that God has given us. But there, it seems like to me that there's a part of this that we have to ask for. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, To eagerly desire the greater gifts eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, to me, that sounds like that's something I should be asking for. Wait a minute, Pastor Shane. Well, God didn't, you know, I'm made a certain way, and I've got certain gifts, and, and that's just the way that I am. But it seems like to me here that there's a component of if there's something in our hearts of, that desires to have some of these gifts that maybe we don't see in our lives or our parent in our lives that we should eagerly desire, that we should, we should actually ask that God would give us that gift. Maybe he will. He's done it in the past. He's done it before. God will answer your prayers. You need to, you need to talk to him, but we need to ask him. There are some gifts that are inherent, but there are other gifts that I believe that God 
maybe, that, maybe you've been listening to us and you've just been thinking, you know what? I really feel like I want this. I really feel like this is a gift that I, I'm passionate about or this is some, a way that I want to serve Christ. I just don't see it in me right now. Even that desire, to me, may be a trigger that that's part of who you are. Even the desire that you may have in your heart towards wanting that specific gift is a trigger to me and lets me know that maybe there's a gift deep down inside of you that you're not even a parent of and may not even come to the forefront unless we ask. It may never be realized that you have a specific gift because you never asked God to empower you in those gifts. That's part of the deal. That we ask. So listen, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're talking about the gifts of healing and gifts of miracles today and the gift of discernment. I'm going to try and tackle three gifts all in 25 minutes. Woohoo! Good luck with that. Okay. So listen. I put... Today I'm going to talk about the gifts of healing and the gifts of miracles, and I'm going to put them together because I feel like they're very closely connected. They're a little bit specifically different, but they're very closely connected. Okay? So the first one is the gift of, the first one is the gift of healing and the significance of the gift of healing when I talk about it today. You may not understand the significance of the gift of healing today because we live in a society where, where healing isn't as... Uh, Healing isn't as, or as important or like it's not as, as much of a big deal as it used to be. Now you're just like, well, Pastor Shane, there, there's still lots of things that we need to get healed from. And, and, and sometimes it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen and we pray for them. And, and, and I understand that. But you also have to understand that the gifts of healing back in the days of the Old Testament, you have to understand that when you were sick in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, they did not have the advances that they have now. Not even close. Like, nowhere close. If you got sick in the New Testament, if you got sick, here's, here's what they could pretty much do for you. They could bandage your wounds, give you some oil to clean out your wounds, maybe give you some herbs to settle your stomach and take some of the pain away, but if they couldn't fix it after that, that's all they could do. That's all they could do. There's nothing else they could do. Do you know that there are some say that the average lifespan of a person who lived in the biblical times was mid-30s? Mid-30s. You're like, well, how can that be, Pastor Shane? Think of all, and I want to be extremely sensitive today. Think of all the infants who would have, who would have died at birth if they did not have medical advances to save them. The, the, the simplest complication, it would have been over. There were no C-sections, okay? There were no cesarean sections back in, in biblical times. Okay, those, those kids were lost. If there was any complications, if there was colds, and those lives, listen, those lives would be over. 
Okay, if you got an infection in the Bible, you were basically, if you couldn't get it healed with wounds and bandages and that infection spread, you were basically labeled unclean, sent out of the city until you died. The significance of the gift of healing in biblical context was life or death. And the extraordinary thing about the extraordinary thing about that is that when, when, when Jesus went into those villages, when he went into those places, people would just line up, line up, line up for, to be healed, to be healed, to be healed. Not because it was just, they, it wasn't about, listen, it wasn't about us feeling comfortable. It was life or death. It was life or death. Also, there was lots, it wasn't just life, or, the lifespan wasn't just about that, it was also about war and savagery. It was like lots of, lots of young men went out to war. And when I say young men, I'm talking like 14, 15, 16-year-old men. It was a big deal. I can't imagine if we don't, if we didn't have what we have right now in medical advances, how long we would survive. I don't know. But folks, we live in, our, in a North American society, and yes, there's a part of our society that is evil, but it has been founded on biblical truth. It has been founded on biblical truth, and some of the blessings that we have occurred is because of that foundation of biblical truth that has been used by generations of people. The medical advances that we have access to in this society, I believe, is part of the extension of the healing of God. Because of the faithfulness of those who've gone before us. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not diminishing the power of God. All I'm saying is that we enjoy the benefits that we do medically in our context, and it's not because we have more money. Listen, we could have been chosen to be somewhere else. There is something about people being faithful and God blessing those people, and we have what we have because for the most part in our country, in our past, they had followed God. Today we're talking about the specifically the gift of healing. And honestly, church, I believe that this gift is something that's missing within our context, don't you? It used to be a regular occurrence. We used to hear stories. We used to hear of people who would have specific ministries. And people getting healed all the time. Listen, I grew up in a context when I was experienced uh, I experienced someone who got healed. It was, it, was, it was Abe's son. Ask Abe about it. He's right here. Put his hand up. That's Abe. His son got healed. His leg was shorter than the other leg. Inch and a half. And I remember when, when Mark used to walk around like this. I was his friend. I was Mark's friend. He used to walk around like this. You meet Abe's son today, there is no trip in his step. Because God healed him. He went to a service. Someone laid their hands on him. They prayed and his leg grew. Church, I don't believe that the power of God has diminished 
one iota. I just think we've stopped asking. I think that there's something inside of our, in the way that we've been made up as Christians that maybe asking for healing and praying for healing, maybe it's just a little bit too flaky for us now. Maybe a little bit too, little bit, bit too out there, a little bit too crazy for us now. But church, we are missing out on the blessing of God because we're not asking. First of all, we're not asking for the gift. Some of us, there's someone, there's sometimes there, there, there are inclinations inside of you that you want to pray for people to be healed. But there's something that's holding you back, some sort of social, uh, this, some sort of social pressure that's saying, oh, no, no, I don't want to make sure, to, I, I want to pray for that because what if it doesn't happen and they're going to think that I'm a flake if that doesn't happen? What, what, listen, the gift of healing is available to us. And it seems as though there are those who are able to pray for healing that have the gift of healing and it seems to work for them more. That there are some people who have the gift of healing and and who are able to connect that way to God more than others. So if that's part of the the gifts that are available in our context, then church, we need to pray for that. We need to pray in our church that the gift of healing would rise up in our church. Because we need it. We need it to be a part of our expression. Now, this isn't a blame game. This isn't shoulda, coulda, woulda. I'm saying starting now, this is what we need to do. The same is true for the gift of miracles. Church, we need to start believing in miracles again. We need to start believing that God can do extraordinary things. I remember talking to, I remember talking to, I had a friend who was a mechanic when I was, before when I was growing, you know, when I was, uh, when I was a youth pastor, and, and I said, uh, you know, I want to pray. Uh, I, I would pray over my car. Uh, maybe I should do this at home, actually. Uh, but um, I would pray over my car because sometimes it would break down. I'd say, God, I just need this, need this to work. I, need this, I just need to go. And I remember a mechanic telling me, he's like, man, it's really hard for me to pray that a car would be fixed because I know exactly how this car works. Right? And I know exactly what needs to happen in order for it to work. So it's really hard for me to pray that it doesn't work, that it, that it would work, because I, I just know how this works. You know, it's just like, okay, well, I, I guess the wires could magically clean themselves, or I, I guess, you know, that somehow the metal would fashion itself together and the oil would magically be viscous again. I, I don't know how it works, church, but we've stopped praying for miracles because somehow we think we know how it works. We have it all figured out. Somehow we've convinced ourselves, oh, no, no, I'll figure this out. I'll take care of this situation, and I'll get it to work. When all the while, I believe that God wants to do miracles. That there are miracles that happen when, if even to provide for us in moments of, of significant financial loss that God provides. That God does miracles. I, ever, I told you the story about the miracle turkey before. Did I tell you that story, the miracle turkey? About going, I think you know the story, of people in, people in my church. And as a youth group, we were giving thanks, giving turkeys out. And we just decided they were just going to our church last six months, not very, 
you know, not very, not very affluent. We just thought, hey, they could probably use a turkey in, in, in some Thanksgiving dinner. And so six months, you know, we, Thanksgiving, we just go and we go into their house, to their house, pretty dark place, pretty kind of scary, actually. It was kind of out in the country, and it was like, it was really no, not well lit. So I'm kind of like knocking on the door like, hope they don't have guns. So I uh, knock on the door, and they open the door, and they're just like, hello, how's it going? And I didn't really know them very well. I'm just like, hey, we, we brought this turkey for you. God bless you. It's about like 15-second exchange. <laughs> here you go. We're just thinking of you. God bless you. Here you go. And then uh, we walk out the door. It's like, okay, that was great. Um, so two, three years later, the guy comes up to me. He's like, Shane, I got I to gotta tell you the story of the day that you brought me that turkey. Because we didn't have very much money, and we had all of our family coming over for Thanksgiving. And quite honestly, we did not have enough money for a turkey. And we began to pray that God would bring us a turkey. Look, I was blown away when they told me. And they didn't tell me like till two or three years later. And he says, and you show up at the door with a turkey in your hand. Church, God still does miracles, okay? It may be, it may be, may not be the, the, the parting of the river in your backyard, but I'm telling you, he still does miracles to show us that we would believe and understand that the God that we serve is a powerful God. A God who works on our behalf and wants you to know and wants the world to know that this is not just a social club that we're joining together, but that we serve the all-powerful creator God who can change the very nature of everything that has been created. Everything. God can fix your computers, amen? He can. I don't know how he does it. Computer analysts will say, well, that's not what happened. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they've figured out. God can do miracles. And we need to pray for miracles. Church, we need to pray for them. We need to believe for them. It's not just going to happen. We need to pray. Maybe the next time your car breaks down, you need to pray for your car. Your computer breaks down, you need to pray for your computer. God, I need a miracle. I need you to fix this right now. And believing, saying, God, I, I serve the creator God. I'm going to ask. Or maybe that's not in you, but you feel like, I, I just need someone to pray for me. Call somebody. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for this? I really need this to happen. But the very next step needs for us to be able to sure that we give God the praise and the glory. Pastor Corey, a couple weeks ago, spoke about David and his high-powered slingshot. It was not a compound slingshot, okay? There was no machine attached to David's slingshot. And let me tell you, this 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, say what you want, but it's not, I don't think David had super strength and super slingshot aim. Okay? I didn't believe he had the slingshot superpower. Those were miracles. You don't kill bears and, and lions with your own hands without the power of the Spirit of God. You're not going to sling a stone. And listen to me. I'm telling you that there's no way David would have ever shot a slingshot at something so tall in his whole life. 
think about it. When's the last time David shot at something that was nine and a half feet tall? The trajectory would have been different. You would have had to like fling it up. When would David have to do that? It's not like he had practice. What happened? It was a miracle. If you think about it, you're just like, well, how did that even work? You know, four and a half, five foot tall, shooting a nine and a half, you're shooting, you're flinging it up. Not sideways, up. Right into his forehead, sunk right in, killed him. Church, we need miracles. We need to pray for miracles. They're extraordinary signs. Why do we need these gifts? Because the primary purpose for these gifts is to glorify God. And we, what, we, what we can't forget, listen, what we can't forget is that when we pray for healing, that our motivation needs to be about glorifying God. Yes, we want people to get healed. Yes, we want miracles because it'll make our lives better. But the truth is, church, if we're asking for something for ourselves, we have to be careful because the glory belongs to Jesus. The glory belongs to God. And if we're not prepared to speak and confess that Jesus healed us, should we be praying for healing? If we're not prepared in the next breath to give God the glory for the miracle that's happened, should we be praying for miracles? The goal is to bring glory to God. That's the goal. First of all, what it looks like. I, I, I got it ahead of myself. I, I do that. They come through prayer. It comes through asking. You have to ask God for these gifts. You have to ask God for these gifts. They don't just come. They don't just come. You have to ask. And we need to find those who who are specific. Sometimes there are, there are certain people who are gifted at healing those uh, in people in a certain way. There was a healing evangelist when I was growing up, and he, was, he just did, he worked on people's backs. He prayed for people who had bad backs. And he just seemed to ha- be able to bring, you know, when he prayed, God healed people of bad backs. People would come up with other ailments, and it, it didn't seem that it worked so good. But when it came to backs, there's, some people are just gifted at praying for certain things. So you don't have to pray for healing for everything. Maybe God's just gifted you to pray for a specific thing. Well, I don't know if that's the way it works, Pastor Shane. Well, I don't know either, but we should start asking. I'm not telling you to know how it works. I'm telling you this is what God's word says and that this is what we should do and ask. And if we don't ask, we're not going to get And it's available for all. What does it look like? That it's available for all. That this is something that we eagerly desire. I don't believe that God would ask us to eagerly desire something that wasn't available. That doesn't make any sense to me. Hey, you should really want this, but you can't have it. It's kind of a mean joke that you pay on your brother when you're a kid, right? Want it? Can't have it. God doesn't do that. (laughs) Here you go, you want this? No, 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 you can't. It's like, he just, he's not that. He's not that guy. Jesus 
summon his 12 disciples in Matthew chapter 1, sorry, chapter 10, verse 1. And he gave them the authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. That lends me to believe that maybe there are those who are specifically for specific things. So why do we need it? First purpose is to glorify God. The second is obviously to meet needs. That God's, listen, God's power is not a roadshow, church. God's power is not a roadshow. So if we're performing miracles because we want people to come to our church, then that's, that's a really bad reason. If we're hoping somehow to, to do something for ourselves in praying for these gifts, then that's a really bad reason. If we want to glorify God, we want to meet people's needs, those are good reasons. But if, if, if we're somehow trying to promote ourselves and, and make money off of ourselves and, and do this, then that's, that's the wrong reason. And it's a testimony to God's power. This world needs to know we serve a powerful God who is absolutely involved in our lives each and every day. Don't tell me this world doesn't want to see the miraculous. Like, how many more superhero movies are they going to make? Okay, how many more? They're going to keep making them. You know why? Because people love to watch people with superpowers. They do. I do. There's one of the X-Men who, who walks around and he looks like a frog. I don't know how that's a superpower, but they turn it into a superpower. And somehow make it look cool. I don't want the frog power. That's not the one I'm going after. Right? You know, if I'm the guy who chooses a superpower, I'm not going after Frogman. That's not what I'm going after. But people watch why they're intrigued with the superpowers. They're intrigued with the supernatural, the divine, the ability to do something outside of our own normal abilities. The world wants to see this and are drawn to this. And I'm not saying that's why we should do it. I'm saying there is something inside of them that is, has an appetite for the divine. And instead of us trying to package it up and sell it and put a cape on us, that we'll be able to point and say, this is the God who loves you, who can change the very course of your life, not just for a moment of your life, but for the rest of eternity. We need to ask. The next one is the discerning of spirits. I really need your patience. Is the discerning of spirits. And you're just like, okay, what does that mean, the, dis the dis discerning of spirits, the distinguishing between spirits? It's the, it's the ability and the understanding to know what is from God and what is not. And maybe you're just like, okay, well, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal. It is a big deal. We absolutely need to understand what's coming from God and what's not because we're living in a confusing time, church. Living in a confusing time of what's real, what is from God and what is not. Who do I believe and who do I don't? How do I know that this person is, is, is speaking the truth, that this is, that this is right? 1 John 4 verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Church, we're living in a day and age of demonic activity all around us. 
We don't understand it necessarily in North America America because it's very subversive. It's very secret. It's very hidden. And it's been hidden because we live in North America. Again, we've been founded on biblical truths. And for the most part, the demonic has been suppressed because of where we live. But go to a different place in in the world. Go to different countries. I'm telling you, those are evil, evil places where the demonic is rampant where you have a choice to go to a regular doctor doctor, or the witch doctor. And you're just like, well, that's crazy. That's James Bond stuff. That's crazy stuff. Listen, that's reality right now in the world. Right now. The demonic is at work trying to contend for souls. My my soul and yours. And I'm telling you, we need to know in North America especially because the demonic is so underground and so subversive and so secret that we don't even realize it, that we have engaged in it and that we have embraced it. We don't even know. I'm not trying to scare you today. I'm not trying to do anything like that today. I am trying to open up our eyes to the reality that we need the gift of the discerning of spirits, realizing what is from God and what is not. Because it's all around us. It's what we consume with our eyes. It's the TV shows that we watch and you think to yourself, well, that's not such a big deal. There's the demonic all throughout all the stuff that we watch and all the stuff that we listen to. It's everywhere. We may think that that zombies are trivial, church, but that's demonic. It's an expression of the enemy to convince us that somehow this is not such a big deal. Don't you think that that's what the, the saint is trying to do? Don't you think that that's his purpose, to, to get us to be convinced that it's not that big of a deal? Oh, it's only zombies. Oh, it's okay. Oh, those are only werewolves. It's no big deal. I've seen tons of werewolves movies. Oh, those, I mean, those are only vampires. Oh, vampires. Been there, done that. I'm not being judgmental or condemnation. I'm calling a sin a sin. I'm calling what's demonic and what's not. Because from what I've, what I've seen, there's no parts of the Bible that are amoral. I don't see lines in the Bible. I don't see three columns in the Bible. This is good, this is bad, and this is... I see darkness and light. I see good and bad. There's no middle. There's no amoral. There's no part of the Bible that says, okay, well, you know what? This stuff is just, you know, it's not either good or bad. It's just there. It's darkness or light. Church, the difference between darkness and light is your belief in Jesus Christ, okay? What you believe in in regards to your faith as far as Jesus Christ is concerned. Because if you reject the person and the divinity of Jesus Christ, then you're not for us. You're against us. Now the Bible says in Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians, 6 verse 12 says that we we do not struggle against flesh and blood. 
but against spiritual principalities and powers. So listen, this is not giving you license to go up to people who are involved in these certain situations and say, you're demonic. You're evil. You're being used of Satan. That's not what I'm saying. This is not a tool to judge people. This is a tool, this is, this is a blessing, this is a gift that will help us understand what is good, what is going to bring us good fruit, what is going to bring us good things, good purpose, and or evil things, evil purpose and destruction, okay? That's why I'm saying this. This is not a tool to bring judgment. Am I clear? Because I'm going to say a few things and you're going to think to yourself, oh yeah, I hear you. That's not what this is about, but I'm telling you, there are groups of people who come across come across as good, but are actually being used by Satan because they deny the divinity of Christ. Church, Muslims deny the divinity of Christ. Mormons actually believe that Jesus Christ was born in heaven and then came to earth. That is not the Christ I serve. Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm not bringing condemnation, church. I just want you to know what is good and what is bad. I want you to protect yourselves and the people around you and understanding what is going on. Those are demonic forces at work. Well, Pastor Shane, they're just people. I mean, they're just, you know, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to be good. I'm not, there are some people who don't even know they're being used for what's evil. That's why this isn't about judgment. This isn't about pointing fingers. It's not about sticking your finger in someone's faces and saying this is what you're doing. Some people don't even know what's going on. Do you think Oprah knows that she's being used? I bet you she honestly thinks she's doing the right thing. Is she helping people? Is she giving cars away? Sure she is, but she just denies the divinity of Christ. I'm not judging her. I'm just letting you know. I'm not, I want her to get saved. I want her to go to heaven. I want her to accept Jesus. I'm not here to, to poke holes in her. I'm just trying to say, listen, if you're getting your faith from Oprah, you're getting the wrong faith. Pastor Shane said, Oprah's demonic. <laughs> that's what I heard today. Pastor Shane said, Oprah was demonic. That's what I heard. I hope that's not what you hear. Pastor Shane said, Muslims are evil. I'm going to go tell my Muslim friend. <laughs> well, this is what, this is what, Listen. If you take and use my, my words like that, then honestly, you're falling into the same trap they are. Because that's not what the purpose is. The purpose is for us to understand the discerning of spirits. It's understanding what is good and what is bad. What God is calling us to and what God is not calling us to. And it comes down to your belief in Jesus Christ. And we need to know, church, there is only one way that man can be saved. 
Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father but by me. No one. So listen, we need this gift. We need to understand because it's not easily figured out, is it? Well, this seems really good. This seems really positive. Seems like it could really help me. This seems like a, it just seems like a nice organization. Listen, I, I'm sure that there are some really nice Freemasons, but you go to the top of, of Freemasons and there's demonic activity. And you can't tell me that doesn't trickle down. We need to know what's right and what's wrong. What's good and what's bad. And it's not so easy in our society because there's no witch doctor store down the street. In North America, we go to other sources. We go to palm readers, we go to tarot card readers, or we go to other things in the New Age context. We go into these other places thinking, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. We need to be on guard. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities. The very next portions of the scripture talk about the armor of God. When I was a kid, I learned this verse every week at, at a biblical uh, boys and girls club called Crusaders. We don't call it that now anymore because it seems like a dirty word. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may, able, that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, we need to be on guard. We need to know. That just because you consume it and it feels good doesn't necessarily mean it's going to bring life to your soul. That what may not even bring destruction immediately to you could be the destruction of those who are consuming it around us. We need to know what does this look like? What does this gift look like? Church, I'm going to tell you something right now. And we have done a disservice to those who have had this gift in the past. Because often these people who have had this gift are connected to the spiritual realm in such a way that we are not. And so often the people who have this gift will, will talk about the demonic. They'll talk about, oh, well, that, that's demonic, that's demonic. Oh, that's evil, that's demonic. Oh, I get this vision of of this evil thing happening. and some, You know what sometimes we do as Christians? We're just like, that person's kind of weird. Right? That person's kind of flaky. They think there's demons everywhere. Like, what's wrong with them? And they're constantly, they, they talk about it, and you're just like, oh, this, seems, this seems weird to me. Church, it's not weird. Okay, there are certain people who are connected to the spiritual realms of, of the demonic and what is good and so that they can give us insight as to what's going on in our society, what's going on in our world. There are people in our church who have come up to me and says, look, there's just something about this I don't like. There's something evil. There's something wrong about this. 
what is it? I don't know. I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but I just get this sense that there's something wrong about this. That's not flaky. Church, I'm here to declare that that's not flaky. There are some people who are just connected to this spiritual realm. We need to start listening. Well, I don't know. I, that, that seems a little overwhelming to me. I, you know, it seems a little bit weird. And You don't have to understand it, but you do have to trust that this gift does come from God. And that the reason that this gift is apparent is so that we can understand what's going on, so that we can avoid destruction. So we need to be careful because often this, this gift comes off as weird. It comes off as flaky. They're always talking about it. What's their problem? They don't have a problem. We do. We've got to stop judging each other's gifts like they're weird. We need to start realizing that God is at work. He's trying to speak to us. Wired for the supernatural. There are people in our congregation who have, who have, who have in the past, have dabbled in, in the occult and, and the demonic. Not because they're purely evil, but that they're connected with this spirituality. They're connected with these spiritual realms that we're not connected with. And you know what? There are sometimes those people, they, they're just apparent. They just... Be able to see and just say, you know what, there's something, something not right about that. I'd be careful if I were you. I would be cautious if I were you. We need to listen. Before we dismiss somebody as flaky and crazy, we need to listen. The Bible says we need to test the spirits. Right? We need to test the spirits. And this is not about control. This is not about someone having more influence than the other person. This is about us testing the spirits and knowing what is good and what is bad. Because I, for one, I, for one, don't feel like, don't feel like running into something that's, that's evil and destructive. I would rather know. I would rather know. Wouldn't you rather know? I would rather know if something's bringing destruction into my life. I would rather know if something's going to, to hurt me in the long run. We need to know. Our children need to know. Listen, our children need to know. Because the world around them is convincing them that what they're consuming on television isn't going to hurt them. The world around them is con convincing them that what they're consuming on television, what they're consuming on the internet, and watching in the movie theater isn't going to hurt them. That is exactly what the enemy wants us to think. That there's nothing wrong with zombies, there's nothing wrong with werewolves, there's nothing wrong with vampires. It's not that big of a deal. Church, talk to somebody who's, connect, who's been connected to the occult in the past, and I am telling you, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I'm not telling you how to parent. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just trying to raise the stakes of accountability in our church so that we understand and we need this gift at work. So if that's something inside of you, then you need to tell an elder, you need to tell a pastor. If you get a sense like that, you need to tell us. 
I'm not asking you to stand up and declare in the church and just say, that person's evil. Come tell a pastor, come tell an elder, come tell a leader, just a sense of what God is speaking to you, and I'm telling you right now, they were going to listen to you, receive you, receive it from you, and they will pass it on to me. So that we can take note of it, and that we can be aware of it, so that we can avoid the danger and the destruction that can be avoided. And you're just like, wow, this is, this is a weird sermon, Pastor Shin. What are we talking about here? What did you guys talk about on Sunday? Oh, Pastor Shane was talking about demons and demonic, and I didn't really get it. And You know what? I don't really get all of it either. I don't. But it's real. It's real and it's true. Before we start getting involved in certain things, we need to know, is this worth it, is it not? Why do we need it? Because evil is a tricky and secretive thing. Listen, the enemy's first tactic is lies. The enemy's first tactic is lies. It's secretive. It's behind the scenes, especially in North America. We need it because we need to know. Because you know what? It's not always easy to tell if somebody's lying. I mean, I wish I knew. I wish in the moment I could, I could predict which direction the person's eyes are going into and I could take their, their temperature so I know if their temperature's going up, oh, you're lying. Right? I wish I had my CSI kid every time someone talked to me, just be like, okay, we can have a conversation, but I'm going to have to hook you up to some wires. I don't. I don't know every time someone's lying to me. I don't know what their motives are. I don't know if what they're trying to do is trickery or not, but I, I you know, I had, I've had, we've had people come to our church before, and I've had people from our church warn me and say, look, there's something going on here, and you need to take, take notice. In church, they were bang on. And I was able to see as a pastor to avoid something destructive for our church because the, the gift of discernment was at work. You didn't see it. I didn't announce it. Oh, by the way, you know those, person that, those people who came the other day? Oh, yeah. I didn't say that. I'm not going to say that. It's none of your business. It's my job to know, but I'm not going to know unless the gift of discernment is at work, and we all work together for those who have the gift of discernment to say, look, let's avoid the things that are going to destroy us. Right? You with me? Listen, we need these gifts, and we need to ask for the gifts. Maybe, maybe you don't feel like you're, you're being duped all the time. You don't know what's good. Ask God for the gift of discernment. Maybe you don't feel like you're a very encouraging person. Ask God for the gift of encouragement. We're going we're gonna to take this gift test uh, on, on Thursday, and you should absolutely be here. Even if you're a leader and we did the Berkman stuff together, you need to try and be here together with the family of God to do it if you can. But this is just one moment in time, taking an expression of our gifts together. But that doesn't mean that God can't use you. God can't and give you other gifts. He can't 
cause those things to enhance. Maybe you don't have the gift of mercy. Start asking for the gift of mercy. God knows I've been asking for the gift of administration for years and years. And you know what? I'm getting better and better. Thanks, honey. I appreciate that nod. But listen, it works. You've got to ask. You can grow in these gifts. You can grow in these things if you ask him. Can we pray? Can I pray with you just before we go? Listen, thank you so much for your patience. I'm so passionate about teaching this stuff, church. I just want you to know, I feel like it's so important that you know this stuff. And so I don't take it lightly when you, when you don't get antsy and we spend extra time doing this. I appreciate it so much. I know that there's tons of stuff going on for some of you today. And I just, I appreciate it. I really, really do. But I believe that God, God has plans for us and great plans for us. And this is something that we need to know. Amen? Father, we just thank you for today. I thank you for these people here today. God, we're looking forward to next week. God, for this, this gift seminar with Pastor Jason. God, we're looking forward to our celebration of our anniversary service, Lord God. Lord, we want the supernatural a part of our church. God, we want not just for us to go about our business and, and hopefully do the right things along the way. God, you have given us these gifts so that we can use them to reach out to more and more people, that more and more people might be saved, that we would realize the things that are happening in our lives, that we could avoid things that are destructive in our lives. God, that we might see the supernatural and the gift of healing and miracles rise up in our church. And Lord, I just pray that confidence and strength would rise up in those who believe that this is a gift that they have or maybe in a gift that they want. And we would begin to ask to be used in these gifts or ask that these gifts would grow in us. That we would eagerly desire the extraordinary in our lives. That we might extraordinarily express the message of faith to the world around us. God, I, I, I want our expression of testimony not just to be a, a, a pathetic plea of please come and be with us, but rather a joyful, convincing expression of the power of God available to every person who seeks it. Thank you for your spirit at work with us this morning. Give us a great day today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, church. I appreciate your, your patience, Scott. We really hope that you come on Thursday, and please come on next Sunday. It's going to be a blast. And bring all that food that you said that you would. God bless you. You're dismissed.